0: Mark your calendars. The ADCES24 annual conference parades into New Orleans, August 9-12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello. And welcome to the ADCES Podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're talking with ADCES Director of Advocacy, Kate Thomas about the latest COVID-19 updates from Congress and the new round of regulation changes from CMS.
1: Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kirsten. It's my first time as a podcast guest
0: rather than a host. Well, we are so happy to have you on the huddle. And this is just to remind folks, this is our third podcast in a series on telehealth, And the 1135 waiver. So, the first couple podcasts, we really focused on translating the 1135 waiver into what I would call logistical information for the diabetes care and education specialist. So, in this conversation, I'm really hoping to change the focus and take a deeper dive into regulations, which is an area where you are a specialist. We've talked over the last several months, and you know that an interest of mine over the past few years has been how to move research into policy. And you have such a wealth of information. I would even call you, Kate, an encyclopedia. Wow. And, you know, I truly appreciate that. So I'm hoping that you can share some of that insight that we talk about a lot with our listeners. Before we get started, you know, I want to introduce you. You know, you're the director of advocacy here at ADCES, and I would love for you to share you know, your background and your role and what you do here for the members. Sure. Thank you. And Kirsten, I can say this is the first
1: time I've ever been called an encyclopedia. I've (laughs) been called many, many things, but never that. I am, as Kirsten mentioned, ADCES's Director of Advocacy. I've been on board with the organization for about two years. My background is in professional membership associations, much like ADCES. I've worked on federal legislative and regulatory issues, and also issues on the state level. And I've translated that to my work at ADCES. At ADCES, we are in a very small department. We're covering a lot of territory on behalf of our members. We're looking at changes coming out of Congress what legislation is passing, and we're also looking at the federal agencies like the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. These are areas that their decisions deeply impact our members, so we want to make sure that we are paying close attention to what those changes are, what opportunities exist, and how we can position our members to best serve people with diabetes
0: and the interests within their communities. So jumping right into this waiver, I'd love to hear where are we at right now? I mean, I know like last Friday was the CARES Act. Correct. Okay, so I'm getting this right. Um, And then on Monday, we saw a new round of rules from CMS and regulatory changes. So I think that's what like you've told me in the past. That's like the what is Congress? The how are the regulatory changes? Can you talk us through where we're at right now? Sure. And I
1: love that analogy that Congress is the what and the federal agencies and CMS is the how. So what I mean by that is, and I'll break this down a little bit more, but typically when you're talking about legislation translating to regulations, you'll have Congress pass a particular bill with certain provisions that tell the federal agencies what they can do or what they need to do. And so the federal agencies take that information and then they develop regulations. So they usually put them out for public comment. And allow people to weigh in. So that's the distinction between Congress and the agencies. They're working together to make some of these changes. And so where we are in terms of Medicare telehealth changes and other related changes related to the public health emergency and the COVID-19 pandemic is that we've had a series of pieces of legislation passed through Congress Right now, there have been three bills passed, all addressing different areas of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the first piece of legislation really responded to the threat. So it was a a supplemental bill that focused on vaccines, treatment, surveillance, testing, protective gear, some of those aspects. The next bill we're really familiar with because it's to help the American people. So we know that this is the bill that signed into law free testing for COVID-19, paid leave, unemployment benefits. And that took us to the third piece of legislation passed on Friday, which was the CARES Act. And that's the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. This was a $2 trillion bill, which was the third phase of Congress's legislative action in response to COVID-19. It was the largest emergency economic package in U.S. history. And what this bill did that was different from some of the others, which it really expanded Medicare's scope, CMS's scope in terms of what they could do for telehealth. So we're seeing CMS respond to some of those changes. So that's the regulations. Legislation passes Friday. We see some additional guidance released by Medicare on Monday, March 30th, which this week we've processed through some of that information and that has translated to some additional guidance that ADCS has used to develop into some of these FAQs. Now, when we're talking about the 1135 waiver, CMS does have the authority to make some changes under this 1135 waiver in an emergency situation when both the president and the Secretary of HHS, the US Department of Health and Human Services issues these declarations. So, CMS has had some flexibility in making some of the Medicare telehealth changes and other changes that we've seen to this point. But really, this additional legislation passed on Friday has translated into even more regulatory authority on behalf of CMS. So, that's why we've seen
0: some recent changes. Now, will this be the last piece of legislation that you think will pass or are we on the lookout for any more? No, we are expecting more. So right now, Congress is
1: expected to be out of session until about April 20th. And I know members of Congress are already starting to convene to talk about what a fourth spending package or a fourth disaster aid package would look like. I think there's a recognition that we're just getting started with some of the legislative changes that need to be made. So we're going to expect another piece of legislation soon. And the fourth isn't going to be the last. There's going to be
0: many more iterations of this. So as you see these um, iterations coming on the horizon, what is your role or what do you do for our members? That's a great question. And it's
1: something that I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to discuss today because I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So what we're doing as a national organization is we are monitoring everything that's coming out. So we're reading the CARES Act. We are reading the regulations that Medicare is putting out. We're talking to our partner organizations to analyze some of those provisions in the legislation and the regulations. And what does this really mean for diabetes care and education specialists? We're doing our best to communicate those changes to members. We have our COVID-19 dedicated webpage with all of that information. For those members that are subscribed to the advocacy forum on my AADE network, we're putting out weekly updates about what's happening in real time. And we're also advocating. So we know that some of these bills that have passed, some of these regulations, there are still gaps. And so how can we best position our members to have what they need in order to serve their community and people with diabetes. So monitoring, analyzing, communicating, and then that fourth most important piece is advocating.
0: So it's interesting just hearing how these bills are flowing through, how they're changing. And when we think about the how, so the regulatory changes you've talked about, this waiver is making telehealth look very different than what diabetes care and education specialists are used to. Do I have that right? Yes. And it's not just specific
1: to diabetes care and education specialists. I think historically, the Medicare benefit surrounding the use of telehealth, it has been very limited. You'll hear CMS say that really the intention around some of the Medicare telehealth provisions is to reach people in rural areas. So what what we're finding is some of these provisions that allow people to provide services via telehealth under Medicare were written years ago before the technology was really what it is today before the interoperability that we have. And I think Sasha touched a little bit on this in your last podcast, but... We're working with a set of regulations and laws that don't really reflect current practice. And I think we're really seeing that as we're having to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic and transition care in a very rapid and different way and meet some of those reimbursement requirements.
0: So this is a question I asked Sasha, but I'll ask you too. Do you think this crisis has brought around change? Do you think this change will be lasting? That's a great question. And I think that is something that
1: we have had conversations as an organization with some of our other partners saying, really, what can we do to make these changes lasting? And I think we're seeing this from all sides. We know that hospitals are looking at this. We know that individual providers are looking at this, Medicare, CMS, the administration, Congress, everybody's paying very close attention to this industry, people that are involved on the industry side of telehealth. I think there's a real recognition that perhaps the COVID-19 pandemic has really highlighted some of the weaknesses in the system or really where we lag behind. So I am hopeful that some of these changes will lead to lasting Changes, I think CMS has been very clear in their guidance that many of the changes that they're making right now are really meant to be during the public health emergency. So I don't know that we will things will immediately change, but I think it gives us some leverage to gather some data, see what's worked, see what the benefits have been, and then use that down the road in some of our later advocacy efforts to really push for this meaningful change that we've been seeking.
0: So you said one of my favorite words, which is data. (laughs) So we're thinking about where we're going in the future, right? And we have a vision of where we'd like to get telehealth. What kind of data should we be collecting now in order to help us make those decisions in the future? I think
1: that's a great question. And I know that Sasha, who was your guest the last time, has done some outreach to our DAP programs and quality coordinators, asking them to collect specific information on a few different fronts. So, what are your barriers? What have the barriers been? But also, what's been working? What data are you able to collect? And I think we'll be putting out more information in terms of some of the data specifics, but. I think the tracking and documentation is going to be a very important part of how CARE is delivered right
0: now. Well, you know, Kate, I love that you've given us this picture of what advocacy is and the work that you and and, and your team are doing here at ADCES. We only have a limited time, so I want to make sure we hit on some of the questions that have been asked. So if we can kind of transition there And I have a couple of them, and I know you get peppered with questions. So if you have any more, please share. Um, The one that I saw hit the message boards a lot is on FQHCs. With this new waiver, can FQHCs provide telehealth? So Kirsten, I think that you
1: have hit on a question that's been still one of the biggest challenges right now. So We know that FQHCs are really looking to provide telehealth services and be reimbursed under Medicare. That's been a big priority. Provisions for FQHCs were not included in any of the initial guidelines recommended by CMS. But we know that when the CARES Act passed on March 27th, they did contain a provision that would allow FQHCs and rural health centers, RHCs, to provide telehealth services. However, we have not yet seen that translated into Medicare regulations. We were hoping to see it on Monday, but we haven't seen it. So we expect that CMS will be releasing some additional guidance in the coming days, but perhaps weeks, but it's the provisions have been codified in the law. And now we're just waiting for that regulatory piece.
0: Okay, so I learned something new today. I love the way you said that, that the legislation paved the way. So really, we're so that the what has happened? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And then what we're waiting for is for the regulatory guidance or translation from CMS. Yes, that's correct. And that's the details. That's
1: the I mean, I say the how, but I really mean the how, how do we bill for this? Do we need a modifier? What does this look like? I mean, those are the practical questions that FQHCs and providers in FQHCs are going to be asking. And that's the piece that we need Medicare to tell us. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And is there any part that you play in that or your team here? Yes. So
1: we have been kind of twofold. So what we've been doing is we've done some outreach to our members, the DAP programs, the quality coordinators, and also information on some of the different COIs to collect stories from our members to help bolster some of these advocacy positions and arguments that we've been making to CMS. We've been having a lot of behind-the-scenes communication with our contacts at CMS, that direct line of communication. And we're also standing up a call to action so that our members can reach out independently. So trying to approach this from every angle. We're also doing some joint efforts with some of our coalition partners to really Make sure that we've defined our wish list within the diabetes community and can kind of speak from the same perspective, um, have a set of shared goals that we're advocating around.
0: You know, I love to hear that we're sharing stories because honestly, from what I've read and heard, I mean, those are so powerful. Oh, so yeah. I think they can make a difference, especially make it tangible. And Kirsten, I think
1: something that is important that I always keep in mind, I myself am not a healthcare provider but I do represent the voice of healthcare providers and for me the personal stories are so critically important in terms of the translation piece so You can read all the regulations you want, but you really need that provider perspective or the perspective from the person with diabetes to highlight what that actually means for people. And that's a very effective tool, both when you're talking to members of Congress and when you're talking to regulators and and officials at CMS.
0: Well, it makes it real, right? I mean, people can then imagine well, okay, one more question because we're getting to the end here. This is another one I've seen on the message boards a lot. Insulin pumps. What are the requirements for working with insulin pumps and telehealth is it possible? So that's a great question and
1: I think I'm going to be able to answer this in stages. So, we were really pleased to see that in the March 30th regulations released by CMS, that CMS is now waiving face-to-face requirements for evaluations, assessments, certifications, et cetera, that may be outlined in some of the national coverage determinations and local coverage determinations for durable medical equipment like insulin pumps and CGMs. So we feel like the in-person requirements for CGM supplies and insulin pumps and supplies has been waived by CMS. I know this was a really big advocacy issue for the diabetes community. And really what CMS is saying, they're stressing that they want providers and beneficiaries to have the flexibility to ensure that the care can be appropriate given the situation. On the insulin pump side, CMS, our interpretation has been that they are also waiving some of the restrictions around the coverage criteria. So if you can't meet certain aspects of the coverage criteria for insulin pumps because of limitations on face-to-face visits and six-month face-to-face appointments, then that is also going to be waived at this time or special considerations will be made for that coverage criteria. So we have some additional information that we will be updating on the COVID-19 page on our FAQ page. So I would encourage people to check out that information to make sure that they have the latest on that specific provision.
0: Well, and because we're going to get this information in stages, that just means we get to have you back on the show, right? I hope so. I, I, I hope that means <laughs> things are going well. (laughs) Absolutely. We'd love to have you back. And I have to say, we're really getting close to the end of our time here. So I'm going to toss this back at you. I usually do this. Number one, if there's any questions we missed, two final thoughts and possibly resources or calls to action maybe you want to share with our community. Sure. So I really
1: appreciate that opportunity because there's a lot going on. Just stressing that Things are happening in real time. Things are happening daily. So continue to check the COVID-19 webpage for the latest updates. We will be updating our FAQ document as soon as new information becomes available. We've done a series of webinars and Q&As that we're trying to do those weekly to address some of the developments as they occur. A few other advocacy-specific things, I mentioned a call to action One of the biggest issues that we've been facing is that we know that registered nurses and pharmacists are not able to facilitate DSMT via telehealth and be reimbursed by Medicare. So we have put together a call to action that we're hoping our members can use to reach out to CMS directly. As I had talked about before, we're doing a lot of behind-the-scenes communication, but we really want our members to have that opportunity to weigh in as well, because I think those personal stories are going to be really important. On April 14th, I want to just let everybody know that we're doing our quarterly advocacy town hall meeting. This is a quarterly check-in for anybody interested in advocacy. It's an open call. All are welcome. And we will take questions, you can provide an update from your state, and we'll also provide an update on the latest advocacy work that's been happening at the federal level. So mark your calendars for that. And then finally, my favorite plug, we are putting a lot of information on the advocacy forum on my AADE Network. I would encourage everybody interested in advocacy, all of our members, to subscribe to that page, to get those email updates, to find out about our town halls and anything else that's happening in Congress and within the states. Those are my plugs, but information is
0: changing by the day, and I hope that you can use our resources to keep up to date. Well, I have to say, and you you know this already, that I love your advocacy forum and I love the blog posts. Thank you. So I will be checking back there more often and count me in for the 14th. I will be there. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely wonderful. And you know, we're going to be calling on you again. Well, thanks so much, Kirsten. And and
1: thanks for all the work that our members are doing on the front lines of care. I just really have so much admiration for the work that people are doing. So thank you.
0: Uh, You and I both. Those were beautiful words. All right, Kate, have a great weekend. And we will be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today we heard from Kate Thomas and the advocacy work ADCES is doing to support your programs and practice. We got the latest updates from Capitol Hill and what's being done to implement regulatory changes. We answered some frequently asked questions, and Kate shared a call to action for all diabetes care and education specialists. For more information, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash COVID hyphen 19. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. The podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.